Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, let's all read this together. Can we read it together? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Are you ready? Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Let's pray. Father, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Pray that you would be with us here tonight. Remove me and place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. Let faith arise and let our enemies be scattered, Lord God. Your spirit dominate, dominate, dominate. In Jesus' name. We all said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them you're a living sacrifice. And you may be seated. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever tried to figure out God? I'll be honest. I have. Even when not just being saved, I tried to figure out God when I was unsaved. Matter of fact, I even seen a few of my friends when they were getting high, they would try to figure out God. Dude, you ever think like this big guy is up there and he like made it, right? Don't, don't look at me like, oh, I never did that. You know you did that. We always try to figure out God. I heard a preacher once say, the moment God is figured out with nice and neat lines and definitions, we are no longer dealing with God. We always try to figure out God. Matter of fact, even in the scriptures, the disciples themselves tried to figure out God. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 27, the disciple says, What manner of a man is this, that even the winds and the waves will obey him? Who is this man that rides in the boat with us, that walks with us, that talks with us, that multiplies bread and multiplies fish and heals the blind eyes and makes the lame walk? Who is this guy? trying to figure out who God is. But one thing I have learned, and I learned this from my pastor, Pastor Sonny, is that you need to always leave room for God to blow your mind. Always leave room for God to blow your mind. Hasn't God blown your mind, Greg? Right? Hasn't he blown your mind, Alice? He's blown, I mean, Always leave room for God to blow your mind because the, the moment you think that you have God all figured out, you're not dealing with God anymore. You're not dealing with God. You're dealing with a man-made understanding that you think that your self-righteousness has gotten you on a pedestal of knowledge. I have it all together. I know exactly what's going to go on. And don't look at me like that because some of you, you come to church, you already know or you think you know what God's already going to do in your life. I've come to church, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to lift my hands, I'm going to sing when they say sing, I'm going to give when they say give, I'm going to shake when they say shake, I'm going to turn when they say turn, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to listen to this guy, and then God's going to do something, and then I'm going to go home and just kind of do the same old thing I always do, watch some TV, eat a bowl of Cheerios, go to bed, wake up, and do the same thing all over again. God, if you want to kind of put something in there, then go ahead, Right? That's kind of how we live our lives. But I want you to know something here tonight. You need to leave room to God to blow your mind. Watch what God can do. Listen, I know that on Sunday, wasn't your mind blown on Sunday? 
I mean, I came ready to see some miracles, and God met me right there. I seen arms grow out. I, I literally, now maybe you didn't see it, but I was sitting right where Pastor Toby is, and I turned around, and he uh, was praying for Bernard. Uh, Bernard's not here tonight, but man, I, right prior, Bernard had a swollen arm. I don't know if you saw I shook his hand. I shook his hand right outside. And even when, he, when I shook it, you know, he kind of like, oh, you know, be careful. And Tony Kempi called him out. He goes, come here, come on out. While he started walking down, I saw his arm. It was swollen. It was like this. His arm all of a sudden went. <laughs> Whoa. But, they get, but then again, I said, God, blow my mind. Well, there you go, son. I seen legs just blow. I mean, I seen the, the lady was sitting right next to my wife. And all of a sudden, her, her leg just went from like this long. It was about two inches short. Whoop. Whoa. Those are the best Michael Kors shoes I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Look at that. Always leave room for God to blow your mind. As you read the scriptures, as you and I read the scriptures, I have seen it within my life that the scriptures that I read, they even change as I change. Now, let me rephrase that because the scriptures, it never changes. But I have changed. And I heard a teacher once say that each scripture is like a diamond and it has 70 facets to it. And every time you turn it, you see it differently. See, when I first got saved, I seen, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And it was kind of, you know, just a literal sense. Well, I get it. All right. But as I begin to study more and I turn it, ooh, now look at that. I see what it, David was saying. Oh, the fear of, oh, Wow. Why? Because now I'm seeing things in a different light. The light is going through the scripture a little bit differently. God is now blowing my mind. That's why I have learned never to, to, to put a step, my own step of approval that this is the only way it's going to be. No, I got to leave room for God to blow my mind. I got to leave room for God to, to grow me, to show me something new. Tell your neighbor, God's going to show you something new. What I have learned is that there are too many people trying to figure out God than trying to please God. See, even in the Bible, as you read the stories and you, you see throughout this canon that God was always blowing people's mind, wasn't he? He was always blowing people's mind. This is what I call, I like to call, always leave room for the boom. If you were here, I think even a couple years ago, I shared on this a little bit. Always leave room for the, the boom because God will always blow your mind. Now, here's a couple examples. I'm just going to give you a few examples. The Bible in the Old Testament talks about how you should not affiliate with the Gentiles and you should not marry a prostitute, right? So the Bible says, I believe in the book of Deuteronomy, do, don't, matter of fact, not only don't, don't marry them, don't associate with them. So, it's kind of a good idea, don't marry a prostitute, right? Just don't do it. Wait till she gets cleaned up, goes to the women's home, and then amen, praise the Lord. That's Victory Outreach chapter 5, verse 2, amen? But in Deuteronomy, it says, don't take for yourself an adulterous wife, a prostitute. But in the book of Hosea, God told Hosea, take for yourself an adulterous wife. 
God would never, God would never do that. Are you sure? He told Hosea something different. He told Hosea something different. Here's another example. Let's just take, for example, if we are going to be a godly, holy people, we should be a holy people. You should not mess with your poop. Right? right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Don't do that, brother. Don't do that. It's not a good thing. This is kind of a good idea. You know, don't, that's, that's yucky. That's nasty. Leave it to the toilet. That's, ugh. So imagine if I were to say right now, you know what? We're going to have a barbecue. And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to put some buckets up here. I want everybody to get a bucket, and you're going to go to the restroom, and I want you to go ahead and put your excrement inside of there, and, you know, we're going to use it. Oh, that's sick. That's nasty. God, oh, that, what's wrong with that? That's, that's oh, horrible. Guess what he told Ezekiel? He said, I want you to take that barley cake, and I want you to take it outside, and what I want you to do is I want you to use your excrement for fuel. For fuel, uh, fuel. That's what he told them. God would never. God would never. Are you sure? Are you positive? Do you, are, do you have God in a box? Do you, you have it right? Your box better be pretty if you're going to put them in that box. Are you sure about that? You shouldn't eat pig. Never have pig. Don't touch pig. Don't eat it. It's unclean. It's no good. But in the book of Acts, what happens? Here comes Peter. He's coming up with some pork grinds. Hey, guys, check it out. These are good. You shouldn't do that. That's never. Don't ever do that. Well, but actually the word of the Lord came to Peter. Even Peter himself questioned God. said, God, I can't do that. I shouldn't do that. But in Acts, I believe it's chapter 4, God told him, do not call anything unclean, which I have made clean. Well, okay then. God would never. God, this is the way God works. You have to do it this way. You have to lift your hands. If you don't lift your hands at a five-degree angle with this, then you're not worshiping the Lord correctly. Are you sure? Are you positive? If you don't wear a tie, if you don't wear a dress, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, are you, are you sure? Are, are you kind of the, the pleasure police officer that, that speaks on behalf of the pleasing God? Are you the one? Because God told Ezekiel something different. God told Peter something different. God told Hosea something different. See, well, you're probably saying, well, pastor, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that you and I need to come to God and come to God humbly. And when we come to God humbly, we're saying, God, I don't know it all. But as long as I know you, you have it all. See, we need to come to church. Listen to me. This is very important. When you come to church, you can't come to church saying, God, you're already going to do this. And so, you know what? Because you're going to do this, I'm just going to stay home. See, that's what happens a lot of times. We already know of what we think God is going to do. So because of that, I'm not going to do it. I already know what God's going to do. Are you sure about that? Are you positive? Because he did something different with Peter. He did something different with Ezekiel. And he did something different with Hosea. He did something different with a lot of people in the Bible. And I'm pretty sure if he did something different with a lot of people in the Bible, I'm pretty sure he wants to do something different with you. But it's up to you and I to come. And when we come to God, we got to come to God humbly and saying, God, I want to seek your face. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the master of my destiny. I like what even somebody came behind this pulpit, uh, I think it was last year, and he said this. And when he said it, it really caught my attention. I wrote it down right away. I said, ooh, that was powerful. This is what he said. 
He goes, if we were to spend all day talking about God and we get 95% of what we're talking about wrong, God is still pleased that we spent the whole day talking about him and not about something else. I wrote that down right away. I go, ooh, that was heavy. It's powerful. Because really what, what he's saying there, he was just saying, look it, your righteousness, it's filthy rags anyways. You're probably going to get it wrong. Even some things, oh, man, look at this scripture. This is heavy, man. Look at what I, oh, that's good and that's great. But it's okay as long as you're seeking the face of God. We, listen, we don't come up here as preachers saying we know it all. By all means, not at all do we say that. Not at all do we have that. Well, matter of fact, I'm just answering the call. That's all I'm doing. God just gave me a call, and I just want to answer the call. That is it. And I'm praying that he's going to guide my path. I'm praying that he's going to light it up. Listen to me here tonight, Victory Average. When we come here, we got to come to God humbly. we got to come to God with a humble heart saying, God, show me something. God, I'm going to leave room for your boom. Whatever you want to do in my life. I want you to do it. Some of you right now, you might be in a marriage saying, you know what, this marriage is over. Are you sure? Leave a little bit of room. Here comes a little boom. That's all I'm saying. Man, my kid, he ain't never going to get saved. He never got, are you sure about that? If I were you, I'd leave a little room. Here comes a little boom. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know it may not look good right now with your natural eyes, but watch what God will do in the supernatural. Can I hear an Amen. Now, I say that because as I read this scripture in Romans chapter 1, or excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, this is the kind of scripture that messes you up. It messed me up. When I read this scripture, it didn't make literal sense to me, right? If you look at it in and of itself as the context, present yourself a living sacrifice, right? Now, you, you ever read scriptures before that you really didn't understand when you first read it, so you just kind of go like, Okay, therefore, loving sacrifice. All right, yeah, yeah, that's good. Let's go to the next one. And you just go to the next scripture because you don't really, really want to dive into it because it doesn't make sense, but I don't have time to make sense of it, right? Because when you read it, a living sacrifice, like, that doesn't make any sense. How can you kill something, but it's alive? Like, I get it. That's how, you know, we, we talk about Jesus. He was dead, but he's alive again. But, but me, how, how do, am I supposed to kill my, I don't get it. How do I be a living sacrifice? So as I began to read this scripture and look into it a little bit more, I found a lot of things. And what I have found is that as I read scripture, I look at things in a literal way. That's how I just look at things. Matter of fact, when I was younger, I used to always tell my dad, say, Dad, man, that's the bomb. And I remember when I first started saying that, my dad used to look at me and be like, the bomb? You got a bomb? Ooh, bomb. Right? He's talking about bomb. Like, oh, bomb. Dude, it's bomb. Or, or, or like a lot of times, oh, dude, that's sick. Like, sick? Do you need NyQuil? What's, what's going on? Oh, dude, that's tight. Like, is it tight? Like, is pants tight? Or, what, you know, what's going on? Does he need to loosen it? Like, no. Right? So even, even in our English dictionary, in our understanding, in our urban dictionary, if you will, we kind of have an understanding of how certain things are. Well, even here, it's a little bit different. It's not the way that we literally think of it because there's a difference of form and function. Somebody say form and function. Somebody say form and function. Because the Hebrew listener, when they would listen to this, 
They would understand the function of it. You and I, we think of the form of it. In other words, like the Bible says, the eyes of God roam to and fro all throughout the earth looking for somebody who will worship me in spirit and in truth, right? So you and I, when we were here, the eyes of God, right? That's probably the hugest eyes we've ever seen before, right? The hand of God covered Moses like man that's a big hand the the earth is his footstool like man that's one big foot like that's huge right there's a lot of scriptures like that talk about the hand the eyes the ears the heart the heart of God David was a man after God's own heart so you kind of picture David hugging this big old huge heart like but when the Hebrew listener would listen to this they wouldn't listen and say, oh, this big old heart. They would think, what does the heart do? What's the function of a hand? What does a foot do? It's not the literal eyes of God, but what do eyes do? The eyes see. The eyes have vision. So they were not thinking of the form of eyes. They were thinking of the function of it. Are you hearing me? So in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, when he's saying Therefore, I urge you, brethren, of the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is a spiritual, regional, uh, a reasonable service of worship. You're looking at it through different eyes. Now, right away in Romans chapter 12, who wrote the book of Romans, right? Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul. So if we know the Apostle Paul, he's the one who's saying this, who's sharing this, and he's talking to people. Now, the Apostle Paul... In his own time, we know that he, is a, he was a tent maker and also he was a teacher. So if he was a teacher, he got his understanding from somewhere else. He learned it. And where did he learn this from? Now, at this time, when they would read and they would go in the synagogues, it was called a Torah. And so when they would have the Torah, this was their full understanding of what it was. Now, for those of you real quick, if you're not involved in Vethi, get involved in Vethi. Because I might say a few things sometimes. And you're like, what is Torah? What is a cannon? Why is a cannon? Is it like shoot a cannon? No. See, you see what I'm saying? Like, you need to understand what I'm talking about when I say a few of these things. If you're not involved in Vethi, you need to get in Vethi. Some of you just did a little Tiger Woods on me right now. Golf clap. Golf clap. I don't have time. You don't have time to study the word of God? Better be careful. Better be careful. See, Paul understood this. So Paul actually separated himself to study this whole thing and got under somebody himself to study this. So if Paul got this understanding, so when Paul was saying this, he's saying, I want you to present yourself a living sacrifice. He got his understanding from the book of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. And when you read the first five books of the Bible, there's one book in there called the book of Leviticus. Now, when I read the book of Leviticus, I, when I first got saved, I'm going to be honest, I just skipped over it. I really did. Because I was like, uh, I really don't understand it that well, right? And if you're, if you're honest, you probably didn't either, right? Because I was like, man, they're killing everything, right? He kills doves, kills turtle doves, kills goats and sheep and ox. It, like, they're killing everything. It really is. You read it all throughout there. They're just killing stuff, killing and killing. I'm like, uh, okay. But when you read the killing and the sacrifice, in the book of Leviticus, every time it says, Present the sheep, present the goat, present whatever it is, present it as a holy and acceptable sacrifice every time. 
Present it as a holy and acceptable sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, there's three things that had to be done of a sacrifice. There were three things. Number one, if you were going to sacrifice anything, a sheep or anything, you had to cut off the head, cut off the legs, and you got to clean the insides. So number one, you had to cut off the head. Number two, you have to cut off the legs. And number three, you must clean it from the inside out. Are you following me? Now watch this. So when Paul, when he's here and he's talking to the people and he's telling them, therefore I urge you, brothers, to present yourself a living sacrifice. This is what he's telling them. He's saying, my brothers, I urge you to present yourself with your head cut off, your legs cut off, and your insides cleaned out. So he wasn't just saying, I want you to go, you know. Now, hopefully, we're talking about the function and not the form of it, right? Don't go out there killing yourself. Don't cut off your head, cut off your legs, you know, and you try to clean yourself. Like, no, no, that's not going to work. In the spiritual sense, what you got to do in the spirit is be able to present yourself a living sacrifice. Now, really quick, in these three things, if you and I are to look at this, you got to ask yourself the question, what is the function of the head? What is the function of the head? Now, prayerfully, we're talking about the function and not the form. Because if we were talking about the form of the head, then we would be saying, you know, the, kind of the, the biggest head. In other words, like, Greg, he's the head of the house. You knew I was going to get you, right? You know I was going to talk to you right there. You're the husband. You are the head of the house. Now, hopefully, that means that you are the authoritative figure in the house and doesn't mean you have the biggest head of the house. Now, maybe for some of you it might be, but amen. Praise the Lord. Because the head is where all the thoughts come from. The head is where all the authority comes from. The decisions, where you make the decisions. As a man thinks, so is he. So when we see this here, of what Paul is saying, when he's saying present yourself a living sacrifice, what he's saying is you need to give up your authority for God's authority. The Bible in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head and that is Christ. Listen to me here tonight. You need to learn what it's like to give up your thoughts for his thoughts. Give up your authority for his authority. Some of you here tonight, you are trying to get that boldness. You are trying to work up the courage to speak to that coworker that you got at your job. To speak to your mom. To speak to your dad. Listen to me. Jesus said it right before he ascended into heaven. He said, I'm going to go. But before before I leave, I'm going to give you all the authority. I've given it to you. I know some of you, you're waiting. Well, man, if I can just invite pastor to come to my house or if I can just invite one of the leaders to come to my house and talk to my mom. No, you have the authority. God gave it to you. See, far too often we look to the pastor, we look to the preacher, we look to the, to the man of God that's up here behind the pulpit that's saying, I want what he's got. I want what he's having. Listen, you've already got what I've got. It's called the authority of God. But you've got to learn to operate in that. See, that's why some of you right now, you have not given up your authority yet. That's why you cannot operate in the spiritual authority. I love it sometimes. I have a lot of stories. I have too many stories to count, but there was one in particular that I was writing down that I remember in particular that 
We were talking, and, and there, were, there was a few of us talking right here. We were just having a good conversation. And you ever have those conversations, and all of a sudden you hear something real loud, and the whole conversation just goes somewhere? It's just weird. Like you hear, like, ooh, what's going on over there, right? We get distracted real easy, right? Even if I'm preaching right now, if somebody comes through that door, if somebody comes through, I'm just kidding. They're not coming through that door. But if somebody were to come through that door, right, we just, ooh, what's going on? We want to see. And that's kind of what was happening within our conversation. We were just talking, talking, and boom, we just heard loud noises. We look outside, and boom, there's a car, and, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about with that domestic violence, right? And they get all crazy, and the guys, and they're yelling and screaming, ah, ah, ah. And you, you look at it, and you go, well, man, you, you kind of like at first want to like, ooh, where's my video camera? I want to record it. A lot of young people, they do that nowadays for whatever reason. I don't know why. Now, that wasn't me. That wasn't my first instinct. Matter of fact, my first instinct was, man, what's going on? And I seen what was going on. I said, wow, somebody needs to get in there and help. Guess who that somebody was? Me. I went in there, and I remember, I said, hey, what's going on here? And, the, you know, I didn't know them. They don't know me. But I remember I, there was just something that just came up over me. I said, hey, what are you doing? Get off of her. Get off of him. Hey, let, let go. Well, man, this, it's her fault. It's his fault. Like, man, I don't even know whose fault. I don't even know your names. But I said, no, no, you guys can't be doing this. And I remember we were talking, the guy, you know, I was kind of holding the guy. He goes, man, who are you? I go, you know who I am? I'm the guy who's breaking up this thing right now. And he looked at me, and he was just kind of like, all right, fine. <laughs> I was like, man, don't be hitting her. What's wrong with you? You don't hit a woman. What's wrong with you? And it's just something, you know, just came over me like that. Don't be doing that stuff. It won't be happening right here, but there was an authority. And when he saw that authority, he's like, you know, you know, he was heated. Don't get me wrong. He didn't just stop what he was doing. But he did back off from where the anger was taking him. But why? Because we moved into the authority of God. I moved under that authority. And some of you here tonight, you need to understand you have that same authority. Well, I can't do that. I can't preach like her. I can't preach like him. I can't do it like, I don't know how to do it. Yes, you, yes, you can, my friend. It, listen to me. It doesn't take a microphone to have authority. That's not what it takes. Matter of fact, when you read the scriptures, and there was another scripture that really got my mind because I really didn't understand it. Jesus himself said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, when I first read that, I was like, well, if he ain't got nowhere to lay his head, why don't you find a rock, you know? Let's go find a rock and, you know, just lay down. Now, as you study more of the scriptures, you will find that everybody was asking for Jesus. Everybody wanted Jesus. Everybody wanted him to come to his town, make miracles happen. People were expecting him to come. So if you're going to expect this speaker to come, you're going to make way. You're going to treat him nice. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be good, especially those who were expecting him. But why would he tell his disciples that? Because he was not talking about in a literal sense. He was saying, look, it, I don't have a place where I can put my authority on yet. But Peter, stay right here. Stay close. I'm going to build something on top of you right now. The Son of Man had nowhere to lay his authority yet. See, you and I, we are the authority of Christ. That when we walk, he walks with us. When we talk, he talks with us. See, it's up to you and I to give up our authority for his authority. Listen to you. Some of you husbands right now, the reason why you are going at it in your marriage, because you're trying to operate in your authority. Uh, she don't respect me. It's not that she don't respect you. It's just you don't have the authority of God yet. 
You need to learn the authority and the principles of God. You know that I grew up, even my uncle, it's a true story. Uh, my grandfather, he, he, he was... He was a drunk. He, I mean, he was just all messed up. He messed up his liver. But one thing that my, uh, my grandfather always did, he always made sure that God was in the house. For whatever reason. Now, I've, as I've learned and heard more stories, I found out that even a lot of my grandparents and, and even some of your grandparents and great-grandparents, they didn't walk in the things of God, but they always made sure that God was the authority of the house. Right? You walk into somebody, your grandparents' house, there's a cross right there on the wall, right? Even some of your grandparents, they tell you, make that sign, make that sign, make that sign. Make that, you can't come in, make that sign. Why? Because even though they're probably smoking, drinking, getting all lit, doing all this stuff and probably partying themselves, no, 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 respect authority. Respect authority. See, that authority that your grandparents and your great-grandparents always respect it, it lives in you. It's who you are. This is what he's telling him. This is what he was telling the, the people. Give up your authority for his authority. The second thing that we see here is when he says, present yourself a living sacrifice. Give up your authority for his authority, which is the head, but also the legs. Now, what do the legs represent? The legs represent movement or the way. He says, I beseech you there, brethren, to give up your ways. Give up your ways. The way that you used to handle things. The way that you used to deal with things. See, that's why I always trip out whenever people say, oh, man, they, they, I'm just telling the truth, man. You, see, you don't want me all up in there. I'm just saying the truth. I'm just, I'm just being real. I'm just being real. If she asked me to come all up in there, if he asked me, man, I'm just going to be real. I just, I just say the truth. Man, I, you know what? I, you know, because I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I honestly, as I, as I read some of the posts, I honestly feel like sometimes I, I want to reach my hand through and take away the phone from some of the people that post comments on there. Because then after, there's this, there's this little uh, uh, emoticon that's on there. It's, it says 100. And in other words, that when they say 100, they're just saying, I'm keeping it real. But I read some of their posts, and then they put 100. I'm like... Put a negative right there. That's negative 100. That doesn't make any sense. Who told you that? That's stupid. That's dumb. Like, I'm just, you know, that's, that's just the way that I, I'm just keeping it real. I had a conversation one time with a, with a guy, and as we were talking, you know, he had, he had his tattoo right there, and, uh, you know, he had a few tattoos, but one tattoo in particular, as I was reading it, I looked at it, and, you know, I was like, hey, it was pretty cool. I, I couldn't really fully see it, but he... Had it right there. I go, hey, what does that say? And he turned it up. He goes, you know, only God can judge me. I was like, all right. And he's like, yeah, you, you know, you know, only only God can judge me. You know, like I go, so, so what does that mean to you? You know, I had a conversation. What does that mean to you? Well, you know, man, got a lot of haters around here. You know, just people be hating on me. You know what I'm saying? And you know, doing that whole thing, doing the whole thing. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah, people they could. Uh, take their opinion elsewhere, you know, saying a few other choice words as well. And I was like, all right. Yeah, man, you know, it's right there. It's in the Bible. Okay. You know, I didn't want to really offend him, but I'm like, that's not the truth. So I was like, well, I just want you to know, you know, just in case, you, you, if you notice, you have only God can judge me, but there's no scripture around that, right? 
It's like, oh, well, no, I go, that's actually, that's Tupac. According to Tupac. I said, but I go, let's just do this. I go, this is what I told him. This is a real conversation. I'm not making this up. I said, well, let's just look at that saying, if you will. Only God can judge me. Think about what you wrote on you. Do you really want the God who created the heavens and the earth? Do you really want the God who got so mad at a city he sent down fire and brimstone to just kill everybody matter of fact there was a woman who turned around just to look at the city and he turned into a pillar of salt right on the spot do you really want the god who got so mad at the whole world he said i'm gonna kill everybody with the flood but then one guy was like no and so he's like all right i'll save you and your family but everybody else they're gonna die do you really want that god to judge you are, are you sure are you positive because I don't know about you, but that's scary. I know you think it's, it sounds cool with some beat behind it. And when Tupac says it, only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. <laughs> that's scary. That's scary. Think about that. See, when he's saying present yourself a living sacrifice, he's saying give up your ways. Only God can judge like. No, I, I, God will judge you. Matter of fact, there's a book of the Bible called Judges. So that is still scary right there. But even that alone, like some of the things that when you read in the scripture, when he's talked about, he say giving up your way for his way. The Bible said, you know what scripture that really got me? That it, still to this day, no matter how many times I read it, it still gets me. It says to love your enemies. See, in the world, say, ah, yeah, I got all these haters. Well, if you got all these haters, that means you should have a whole lot of love. That's what the Bible says. You want to have haters, then you, not, you need to have a whole lot of love. As the Bible says. Matter of fact, the Bible says, turn the other cheek. Oh, no, nah, man. You, but you don't know what she did to me, man. You don't know, oh, man, he was talking about me. All right. Just welcome to the club. Perfectly fine. Matter of fact, my father used to always talk about that song, right? He's always talking about that song because there were so many people that would talk about this one guy. This one guy wrote a song, powerful song. It says, you could talk about me as much as you please. You could talk about me as much as you please. You could talk about me as much as you please. I'll talk about you when I'm on my knees. All my sins are washed away. Oh, praise the Lord. See, far too, I'm going to deal with it my way. Well, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to say her name, but when I post it, she's going to know exactly who she is. Bam! Boom! Get that girl. Oh, she's going to get that. She's going to feel that one. You know what I have found? That Facebook has gotten us away from the good book. It really has. It has gotten us away from what has really wanted to transform our lives. The Bible says to trans be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As a man thinks, so is he, his, his ways. If you think, and all you think about is that girl, uh, that guy, and I'm going to get him back, and I'm going to do this, and she's going to get what she deserves, and there's going to be vengeance, then really... 
That's all you're going to dwell on. That's all you're going to be. That's how you're going to talk. That's how you're going to post. That's how you're going to comment. That's how you're going to, your perspective, that's how you're going to look. That's the only way. When he says, present yourself a living sacrifice, he's saying, give up your way for his way. One of my favorite scriptures says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I read that scripture, I said, oh, man, I love that. And as I began to dive into it a little bit more, you know what I found? That what they would do is the priests, when they would want to travel from one town to the next, and they would travel at night. They wouldn't travel during the day because during the day, they would teach in the synagogue. But when they wanted to go from one synagogue to the next synagogue, and it was a, a far ways off, they would walk. They didn't have scooters. They didn't have cars. They didn't have, uh, you know, cars that can come, a taxi. Hey, come pick me up. Hey, can I borrow your donkey? You know, no. They wouldn't have all that stuff. They said, you know what if I'm going to get from one place to the next what I'm going to do is I got to travel and if I'm going to travel I'm going to travel at night now when they would travel at night there wasn't sidewalk they didn't have the lights right there so what they would do is what they would they would get this box and they would put a box and they would tie it around their ankle and they would put a candle inside of it and as they would put a candle inside of it they would begin to walk now the thing about the candle is that the candle only gave them so much light it didn't brighten up the whole path it just brightened up just enough so they could see where they're going and that little candle was very important because as they would walk and they would see where they were going, if they didn't have this light, what could happen was as they would travel, if they didn't see it, they could fall off a cliff. See, some of you right now, you are doing your ways. And if you're not careful, you're going to fall right off the cliff. God says, give up your ways for his ways. I know she did you wrong. I know he was talking about you. I know that things have been done wrong to you, but my friend, what I have learned is to be able to rise above anything and everything that the world tries to throw at me. Because the, the higher I rise, the closer I get to him. The closer I get to him, the farther I get away from anything that's trying to, try, trying to take me out, trying to discourage me. As we were flying over L.A. these past couple days, when we flew in there, we flew in, and I, 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 we were coming into L.A. I opened up the window, and I looked down, and I saw the uh, Los Angeles Coliseum. Have you ever seen the Coliseum before? Has anybody ever been in the Coliseum? It's, I mean, it's huge. I mean, you know, baseball stadium here, you know, these are big. But that thing seats 95,000 people. It's huge. It was built, in the, I believe, in the 80s for the Olympics, right? They wanted to do all the Olympics around there. It's humongous. Now, I've been inside. Now, and I've been on the field. When you go on the field, it is, you're like, wow. I mean, it's just, it's, you're in awe. It's huge. You're like, wow, look at this. And then when you've been on the field, when there's people all around filling in there, you're just like, it's mayhem. You just, it's so loud. You're like, well, you can't hear anything. You just hear horns and, and the trumpets. And you hear people yelling, ah, and you know, they're saying all these things. And you're just like, man, this is crazy. I mean, it's just energy upon energy upon energy. When I flew over the L.A. Coliseum and I was up on top of the plane, I looked down and I was able to cover it with my thumb. No big deal. When I was in it, oh, man, whoa, look at this is crazy. See, some of you got to understand when Paul says to live above reproach, he's saying live above all the craziness. Because if you can get above it all, you will understand that all is really nothing. No big deal. Nothing. That's all right. I know they're talking about me. I know they're like me. That's okay. Because the higher I get, the further I get away from this, 
And the closer I get to him, give up your ways for God's ways. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. As they come to the piano, the last thing, the last thing, if you, if you and I would learn how to give up our authority for God's authority, give up our ways for God's ways, then the last thing that we see here is that it was the inner beings of what was happening within a sacrifice. Now, the function of the inner beings, we've seen the function of the head, the function of the legs, now the function of the inner beings. Now, as you read the scriptures, you will find that there was only one person who can touch a sacrifice. And a matter of fact, there was only one person who can clean the sacrifice. And the one person that can clean the sacrifice was the priest. Only the priest can touch the sacrifice. Not the people. Only the priest. This is what I've learned. If you will give up your authority for God's authority, if you will give up your ways for God's ways, he will then clean you from the inside out. He is our high priest. See, all that anger and bitterness, all that hatred, and just these things that just, this vileness that just poisons you daily, all that stuff that's in there that you're just saying, man, I want to get rid of this. God's saying, I want to get rid of it too, but let me do it for you. Let me clean it for you. There's a portion of scripture in the Bible, one of my favorites. I have a lot of favorites, as you can tell. A lot of favorites. But this is one portion of scripture where there was this guy, and he heard that Jesus was coming to his town. Now, this guy had a lot of money. He was a politician, if you will. And he could have easily said, well, Jesus is coming to my town. Here's some money. Go tell this guy, whoever he really is, why doesn't he come to my house and we're going to, you know, sit down and have a nice little talk, nice little dinner. I got money. He'll come to my house. But for whatever reason, that's not what he did. He heard where Jesus was. He went over there, but the Bible says there was too many people around. So since there was too many people around, and the Bible says that he was a short guy. So what he did was he said, man, I got to see this guy. I've heard so much about him. He's healed the blind eyes. He's made the lame walk. I really want to see this guy. I'd really like to meet this guy. So what did he do? He said, you know what? I can't see him. There's too many people. I know there's a tree. I'm going to go climb it. So the Bible says that he went and he climbed the tree. And as he climbed the tree, he went and he looked and he saw Jesus. But this was the crazy part of the story. When he saw Jesus, Jesus saw him. And he told him, he said, listen, you, sir, come down here. Right away, he came down, came out. And all of a sudden, you know what Jesus told him? He said, you, you're a crazy guy. Well, that's not exactly what he said, but pretty much I'm summing it up. You, you're a crazy guy. I can't believe you just climbed a tree. You did that just to see me. And because you did that to see me, I'm going to see you. So, you know, kind of paraphrasing here, but then right away the guy's like, oh, man, you know what? I, hey, if I did anybody any wrong, I'm so sorry. I'm going to give money back. You know, because you know, right away, see, he got convicted. He got convicted, right? He got real convicted. He was a politician. <laughs> Politicians, <laughs> you know how they are. 
They have to lie and cheat their way to get to their position. He understood that. But right away, something happened to him. He came face to face with the high priest. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. If there's anything that's happening, I, I, I need to just give it away. You know what Jesus told him? He said, today, salvation has come to your house. Matter of fact, I want to go to your house. Can you imagine that? Jesus coming to your house? I mean, let, let, let's take this in a literal sense. Imagine me, after service, I put the mic down, I turn the mic off, we turn these lights off, and I were to go to your house. Now, some of you right now, think about that. Think about myself. I'm going to come to your house. Right away, some of you guys are thinking, oh, my gosh. I left the laundry on the couch. Oh, my, the dog. Did the dog rip the, oh, my gosh, there's slobber all over the place. I forgot to clean up. Oh, my gosh, is he gonna, no, he's not going to come in my bedroom. My bedroom's all messed up with the blankets. With it. Oh, the bathroom. I forgot to clean the bathroom. I didn't clean the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. So right away when Jesus says, I'm coming to your house, because your house, that's the number one place where your life tells the whole story. See, here when you come to church, you tell a little bit of the story. Hey, God bless you. Praise the Lord. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Well, amen. Pray for me, brother. Amen. Pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. And we leave it at that. But imagine if we were to say, hey, God bless you. I'm going to come to your house. Whoa, hey, don't be coming to my house like that. Whoa, whoa, hold on one second. It's personal. See, what God wants to do, he doesn't just want to touch you here. He wants to touch you and clean you from the inside out. Some of you even right now, I say that because when we go to your house, we can see what you're watching on the internet. When we go to your house, we can see what you're watching on the television. When we go to your house, we can tell what you're listening to on the radio. When we get in your car, we can see what's in there, what, what you got involved in there, what it smells like in that car. See, now we're getting personal. Now, we're get, now you're getting close. Now you're getting too close. But see, what Paul was saying, now going all the way back, therefore I urge you, brothers, to present yourself with your head cut off, your legs cut off, and let God clean you from the inside out. See, if you and I are going to see what we talked about at the beginning, revival in this city, the only way there's going to be a revival in this city, there has to be a sacrifice for this city. It's the only way. The word sacrifice in the Greek means dusia. That word dusia means slaughter by fire for a purpose. So if there's a sacrifice, then you will see a fire. You will see a fire come down. In other words, like this. See, some of you, let me just talk to the life group leaders real quick. How many of you life group leaders want to see the power of God in your life group? Let me talk to the married couples. How many married couples do you want to see the power of God in your marriage? Let me talk to you parents. How many of you parents want to see the power of God in your parenting with your children? Therefore, I urge you, mom. Therefore, I urge you, wife. Therefore, I urge you, life group leader. Present yourself a living sacrifice for your marriage, a sacrifice for your children, sacrifice for your husband, sacrifice for your wife. Don't think 
The city is going to automatically change. Your marriage is going to automatically change. No, my friend. The power of God, the fire of God will fall on a sacrifice. When you and I find and you and I see that city, listen, I'm tired of doing things my way. I'm tired of doing it in my authority. I'm tired of doing it in my strength. I'm tired of doing it just the way that I've been taught. God, I want you to teach me. God, I want you to show me. God, I want to be a living sacrifice for this city. I believe that there's going to be a revival in Fremont, a revival in Union City, a revival in Hayward. But God, first, I want to present myself a sacrifice unto you. I believe that the heart of the bay, there's people out there right now walking in darkness. They don't see no light. You know how they're going to see a light? When they see the fire in the hearts. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. Stand with me here tonight. Stand with me here tonight. Hallelujah. Lift your hands here this evening. The power of God, the fire of God. Some of you right now, you've been wondering why. Say, man, why am I going through it? I feel like there is a fire that's happening all around me. But my friend, you got to understand that that fire, the reason why everything is all around you and you feel like it's coming from the left and from the right is because there's a sacrifice that's inside of you that you got to give up your ways. you got to give up your thoughts. It's not the way that you grew up. I know your past was your past, but that's exactly what it was. It's the past. God has a new future, a new destiny, a new purpose, a new happenings for your life. But you got to say, God, I want to present myself a holy and acceptable sacrifice for the destiny that you have given me within my life. If that's you here tonight and you're saying I want to present myself a sacrifice, come on out of the altar and we're going to make that sacrifice for what God has called us to do within our lives. Come on, come right now. Let's sing this song to the Lord.